First Kings chapter 3, we've talked about this several times over the last probably three, four weeks. Um, we've looked at Solomon. Um, we looked at, he, uh, he asked for um, a hearing heart, a discerning heart. And um, whenever he asked for that, God said, okay, I'll give you wisdom. So we established that wisdom is a discerning heart. Wisdom is a hearing heart. Heart and who is wisdom? Who is wisdom? I heard one person answer. Say it loud. Who? Jesus. He is wisdom, right? He was with God from the very beginning. And um, you look in the in the book of Proverbs, it says he was there from the beginning as he was establishing the mountains. He was establishing this earth. Wisdom was there. Jesus was there with him the whole time. And you have been given wisdom. You have been given Jesus. You have been given Jesus as an intercessor. He is there at the right hand of the Father with Him right now, interceding on your behalf. Not only that, He's given you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, the very Spirit, the very presence of God Almighty inside of you, who is communing with you, who is searching the deep things of God and revealing them back to you. So He has given you a discerning heart, a hearing heart, to have wisdom in all situations. So one of the things we looked at was he gave him that discerning heart and he gave him wisdom. And then last week we looked at what he also gave him was favor. Remember, he gave him favor. And he didn't just give him favor just so he could have a good parking spot. He didn't just give him favor so he could have, um, you know, the next promotion at his job. He gave him favor so that he would release favor over the people that he was in charge of, right? So every one of us has been given a measure of influence in our life. Now, whether it's your home, um, even the children in the room, you've been given place of influence. You've been given influence even in your home, right? The Bible says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for those, okay? Set an example even at a young age. So you can set a young, uh, an example at a young age even at school. So young people you even have at school, you have influence. So wherever you are in life, whenever you're walking life, you even have influence over your parents whether you realize it or not. Just, just think about it next time you ask it for that candy at the store and then they give in after the third time you whine about it. So you had influence, you just didn't know you had it. But you have a certain amount of influence and you are to use it to release favor upon others. So you didn't just get favor so it's for yourself to use, but to release it upon other people. So the next thing I want to look at in this in this passage is we see something else that is going on in this passage, and it is a release of something else. So in 1 Kings 3, and then he's already asked for this favor, okay? He's already asked for this wisdom of me. And in verse 11, he says this, God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. To understand justice. Behold, verse 12, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that, why? So that there has been no one like you before, and there shall be one like you arise after you, meaning another king like you. Okay? So, in this passage, he has released him a discerning heart, which is what he calls wisdom. He also released favor to him. 
But now he's also releasing something else, authority. So a king is put in place of a kingdom to release some certain things, okay? So if we're to walk, remember we started this talk about a month or so ago, it's been longer than that, about kingdom, right? That we are to be kingdom-minded, not church culture-minded. We're going to be kingdom culture-minded, right? So if we are kings in a kingdom, and we are priests and prophets in a kingdom, then we need to learn how to operate in that kingdom. So it wasn't just given to you just so you could sit back and say, look what I got. It wasn't just given to you so you could have the next best job. It wasn't just given to you so you could have the next best car. It was given to you so that you could release it over a people that you have influence over. Does that make sense? So what he just now has also released is authority. So has Jesus given us authority? Yes, we see that in his word, right? And we'll get into that in just a minute. But Solomon goes on and it talks about one of the most famous stories about Solomon. Now we talked about... um, we talked about the Queen of Sheba and how she came. But there is one popular story that a lot of people think about when they think about Solomon and when he got his wisdom. And it starts right after this in verse 16. And we're not going to read I'll just go through the story real quick. But just to remind you, it was two women who came to him. Actually, it was two prostitutes that came to him. And they both had babies. Okay, And so in that process, they both had newborn babies. And that morning, one of the ladies' baby had died during the night. Actually, what had happened was she had rolled over on the baby during the night, and it had died. So that lady gets up in the middle of the night when she realizes she don't, her baby's died. She gets up, and she goes to the other room where the other woman is. She takes her baby away from her, puts the dead baby up beside her, and goes, sneaks back up into her room. Now, the woman now, wake, the other lady wakes up, and she realizes, oh, no, my baby has died. Lifeless. But then she goes to examine the baby a little further, and she realized, this ain't even my baby. Where's my baby? Right? So she gets up, she realizes. So they go to Solomon, who is the king. You need to settle this matter, Solomon. Now what does he ask for? Wisdom. A hearing heart. He has asked for how to release justice on a people. Right? And justice for a people, if you were a judge, if you were a king, if you were a judge... In the kingdom, you should be doing to release favor upon these people so that they are no longer going through these things, right? So to release justice in this situation is a hearing heart. Remember, he's already received this now. So as, a re- as he receives it, he says, I tell you what, let's just cut the live baby in half, and you get a half, and you get half. Now, that don't sound like very wise man, does it? Because now they're going to have two dead babies, right, in three parts, <laughs> Right? So, it don't sound like wisdom. But yet the woman whose baby was still alive, she cried out and said, Oh, no, sir, please don't do that. She can have my baby. And he said, That's the mother. Give her the baby. That was wisdom. Right? Now, I want to go a little bit deeper because we just read right past that story and we don't realize there was some, also some other favor that was released in this situation because of the authority he had. Now, the authority that he had was this. They walked into the king's presence. They walked into the king's presence and they were two, what did I call them earlier? Prostitutes. In that arena, he had the right to do what? To hit with both of you. You're both prostitutes. We're going to stone both of you to death right here before me. So not only did he release and allow that baby to live and find out which one was the real mama, but he released two ladies from freedom that day because of wisdom, he gave them both favor to release justice. 
You see that? Now, we see another person, a king of the world, who comes on scene who acts very much like this, don't we? Didn't Jesus do some of those very similar things as he came on to this place? So wisdom displays mercy in its justice, okay? And so if we are to be kings in a kingdom, we are to release justice, but we need that wisdom to do that, and we need to display mercy in releasing that justice on a peace people. Listen to this quote. We are only able to use the measure we are qualified for in our surrender to God's purposes. Let me say it one more time. This is a lot of words. We are only able to measure how we are qualified for, what we are qualified for in this, in our surrender to God's purposes. So we are surrendering not, again, we don't have the favor, we don't have this authority, we're not having the wisdom so we can just use it for ourselves. We can only use it to the measure that we are releasing it in, his, in our surrender to Him. Think about this. In Matthew 28, 18-20, very famous passage that we, most of us know, is this. I have been given all authority. Now what? Go and release it to everywhere, right? Teaching them everything I have commanded you, right? So it is a commission. We talk about that a lot. We've been commissioned, all right? That word commission, that two-part word is this. Co means what? Together. That's right, Monty. Co means together. It is a commission. So if I am in a commission... Right? It has to work in the same, when I'm talking about that word earlier, it has to work in the same degree that I'm submitted to his primary purpose. And what is his primary purpose? Yeah, to the most parts of the world, to the kingdoms of this world, become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, right? And, and Jesus stood up in the temple and he said, and he quoted, right, the prophets. It says, I'm here to release the captives right and he goes on down the list of the things and if that was his list of things then that should be ours too because why he lives in us and until that is displayed on this earth it is to keep coming what kingdom come kingdom come so that is what we have to get into our heads all right john 16 15 look at what jesus said when he's think when he's talking about this authority I'm going to read out of the Passion Version. I heard it was New American Standard. But this is the Passion Version, John 16. In John 16 and 15, he says this. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. How much? Everything. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. And that's why I say that the divine encourager, and who is the divine encourager? Holy Spirit, okay? Will receive what is mine and what? Reveal it to you. So why did you why did you get this release of favor on you? Why did you get this release of authority to you? Because he's putting the Holy Spirit in you so that you can see what you really have and who you really are, and then you can release that here on this earth. But until now, Holy Spirit's got to reveal it to you. But until you know who you are and whose you are, you're not going to release what you need to release here on this earth. Do you see that? He says, everything that I have, everything that the Father's is, is mine. But that's why I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you can hear and know what those things are because they're yours also. 
That's why he put it in you. And then in Matthew 28, like we mentioned, he says, all that authority has been given to me. Right? I took it back. It's what the enemy had. It's what Adam and Eve gave to the enemy, and then Jesus came back, got the authority back, and he released it back to his people that says, now, I'm going to give you this authority back so that you can rule this dominion here on earth. And I've given every one of you a place of influence. Right? And in that place of influence, I need you to breed these things here on earth. You see what I'm saying? All right. So you think about the religious Pharisees of Jesus' day. Did they study the Word? Yeah. They knew it more than we did. They knew it frontwards and backwards, right? They ain't had to go to the concordance. They ain't had chapters and verses, right? But they could tell you everything, wherever. In the whole Old Testament, that's a lot of books. It's a lot of verses, a lot of words. We barely can remember a verse. They memorized the whole, memorized the whole Old Testament. Yet they did not release what the Father represented here on this earth. Why? They knew the wordings on the page, but they did not know Him. So therefore they could not release in their place of influence the Father's will. And Jesus, when He comes on the scene, what does He begin to do? He begins to upset them. Why? Because now He is, we always say it, perfect theology, and He is showing what the Father is really like. If Jesus is showing what the Father is really like and is making these people who supposedly know the Word very angry, what does that say about their relationship with the Father? Not good. Not good. That's right. Not good at all. So it is very possible to read this every day. It is very possible to come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and every Bible study that is around and still not represent your Father. So we don't want to miss that. That is what we were doing earlier and introducing, and, and for some of it may feel uncomfortable, but it's to get you in a presence, into an awareness of who He says you really are and who, where He says you really are. Because until you start to experience that, all there is is words on a page. And if you're to release Him, and there are places of influence. It's not going to be the flow of life in that area. Now, we can set up some rules. Pharisees did a good job at setting up rules, trying to keep people, what? Doing right, right? By the law, right? Now, we can set up more rules than, than anybody in the world, and we can pass more laws than anybody in the world, but that doesn't change a person's heart. And we can strike fear in people to where they obey the rules and they obey the law and strike the fear in them that if you don't do what we say, then this is what's going to happen to you. And so you can strike fear in people enough that they're going to abide by the rules, but they still don't have freedom and they still don't know who the Father is. That's happening in churches and religion all over the world. And Jesus came to change that. Remember the woman caught in adultery? Bring her up there. Throw her down before Jesus. We caught this woman in adultery. Now that's one thing that you got to think about right there. They caught her in adultery. Was one of them doing it? How else did they catch her? Either they were spying on her, number one. 
Uh, one of them is in on it. See what religion does? But anyway, they throw it down before Jesus. And Jesus doesn't answer them. So, well, what should we do to her? The law says we should stone her. What should we do? He begins to write in the dirt, very quiet. They have their stones ready. Ready to kill her in front of everybody in public display, ridicule. And Jesus' famous words, He who is not sinned cast the first stone. One by one, she begins to hear the stones drop to the floor. And they all walk away one by one until there's no one there but him. He says, who condemns you? No one, sir. Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, her sin was way more than being a prostitute. Her sin was not knowing who she was. Sin was not knowing who she ever was to begin with. That's why she bought into that lifestyle because she did not know who she was and her sin was, he says, go and sin no more, meaning you become into a new identity. I have released you from that life and there is no condemnation. Therefore, you walk in a new life, meaning a new way because you are a new person. Remember when we talked about a couple weeks ago at the pool of Bethesda? which was the meaning the pool of loving kindness, right? He walks into the room and all those people there and for 38 years he's been crippled and there he is, right? He walks across the room and goes to him. Why does he choose him above all? I don't really know. Like we don't have scripture that says, but I can think of a few things that I can think of why he probably went to him. One, if he has been there for 38 years, he's probably been there longer than the rest of them. And if I can offer hope to this one guy and I could change him that's been there the longest, what does that do to the rest of the people there? Well, there's hope for me. Jesus likes to stir the waters a little bit. <laughs> but when he gets up to the guy, remember, he doesn't ask him, genestea is the Greek word that we get there, and, and he doesn't ask him this. He doesn't say, do you want to get well? Even though that's what our English version says, it is much deeper than that. It is... Do you want to be who you already are created to be? Do you want to see that? you want to see who you really are? And when you identify and you're ready to see who you really are, then you can get up. See, some scholars believe this, that because he never says, be healed or, or hit him you know, or anything like that. He just says one simple thing, get up and walk. See, some scholars believe this, that whenever the presence of God got in front of him, there is so great a measure of his presence that he could finally see who he was really made to be. But for 38 years, he saw himself as crippled and he saw himself as worthless. He saw himself and gave himself every excuse of why he could not get into that pool. But when the presence of God says, when he says, when the presence says, are you ready to see who I designed you to be, who you really are? When he says yes, his eyes are open to see who he really is, and that is what transformed him. And now he says, get up and walk. So how many of us are walking as cripples with excuses? I'm just talking about your banged up stuff there. Talking about crippled here and our mindset. 
that has every excuse to why I'm not living the dynamic life that God gave me. I'm not talking about a life of no problems. We just talked about problems earlier. The difference is, is how you respond to it. Do you respond as a son and a daughter in the kingdom? Or do you respond as somebody who does not know who they are? You see, for 38 years, he had responded to life as somebody who did not know who they were. But when presence entered the room and he realized who he was, he was able to throw the mat down, pick it up. This thing that he had laid on his whole life was able to pick it up and go away with it and start a what? A new life. Remember, he tells him the same thing. And go sin no more unless something worse come upon you. What was his sin? Not seeing who he really was. What could worse come upon him until the point that he goes off forever in that that way he doesn't want you to live your life like that he doesn't want you to live your life not knowing who you really are that he has come to set you free right we started off today by saying if there is the spirit of god then it is what it is freedom in the room where the spirit of god is there is freedom right so jesus he comes and he sets both the captives and the prisoners free why did i say both because the captives are the people that what Somebody put them there, right? Captives are people who, who have got into that way, into that imprisonment because of somebody else's responsibility to put them there, okay? But a prisoner is because of something that they did. He came to release both. You see, that guy was a prisoner to his own demise. He came to set him free. The adulterous woman was a captive, Right? Because they put her there. They saw her as ugly and dirty. And they said, you will be this. And Jesus set both free and says, no, I call you this. Go sin no more. Meaning, go live that life no more. Because sin has to do with your thinking. Right? Greek word, hamatia. To rethink. Right? No longer have this stinking thinking, but a thinking that says, this is who I am in Christ. And He has renewed me, has changed me, and made me into a new being. For what purpose? So that you can transform those around you. Right? We were able to go to that Jesus play um, in Branson Friday night. One of my most favorite scenes um, was he was talking about I'll leave the 99 to go find the one. And then it takes it to the scene to where they're going across the lake and then they arrive there with Legion, right? The guy who has Legion in him. And he says, I will leave the 99 to go find that one. And whenever that guy's released, he says, please let me go with you. Please let me go with you because, I mean, he's redeemed him, right? That man is in so much torture, a thousand demons, right, are in him. And, and he's like, let me go with you. And he says, no, I need you to be my witness here. He didn't say go through this nine-step program and then you can finally lead these people. Or if you'll finally read my word for three years, then come back and see me and then we'll put you maybe in charge of a couple of these people in a Bible study or something. No, he says, go just, just go tell them what happened. Just go tell them what happened. 
And when you go tell them what happened and they see that you were changed, it is a witness to me of who I am. Right? And it spreads. Right? That is what He had come to give us liberty for. Now, we don't want to be like the kings, like I said earlier, who are putting staunches on people who are saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. Right? Jesus warned in 1 Samuel, I think it was chapter 8. They wanted a king, remember? We want to be like everybody else. They got a king, so give us a king. We ain't never had a king before, so we want a king. Let them rule us like a king. He's like, you really don't want that. I'll give you what you want. And they got it. Then they had king after king after king who did not lead well, who did not, like this situation with Solomon, have that wisdom and have that favor, but have that authority to release justice, real justice and freedom in Christ. Okay? So, and so that's just a rule of thumb. I say that too. Freedom like, for instance, if we set this up and we set this place up and, and throughout the week, and we've talked about this before, it's different church cultures, not kingdom culture. And if we set it up to say, well, you've got to be here every time the doors are open. Now, we want you to be here every time the doors are open. But we're not going to say you don't love Jesus if you're not. Does that make sense? Like there's a difference in that kind of culture. A culture that says, I'm going to put my thumb over you, make you feel guilty, and condemn you if you don't operate the way I want you to operate and show up when I say you show up and do those things. Does that make sense? Not to say that we don't want you here. Not to say we don't want you to be here every time the doors are open because we love community, right? And we miss you when you're not here. But to put a thumb on people to say that, right? So Bill Johnson says this. He says, freedom in people under my influence is evidence I use authority correctly. True authority, people have made safe. So true authority, you make sure that people are safe. And from that place of safety, they are given all the resources to reach their destiny. Now, resources doesn't mean just life resources like money. Right? Doesn't mean like just a place to stay and all those things. All those things are good as well. But he's talking about you have unlimited resources. So if you have unlimited resources in the heavenly places also, not just here on earth, but in the heavenly places as well, then you use every bit of those resources for them to reach their destiny. For instance, those two things, those two stories that we just talked about, when he released that woman, right? He didn't say, here's a house and, and we're going to get you some money and we'll take up a love offering and, 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 and we'll get you some meals and we'll get you started. He gave a word of unlimited resources that gave her a new life. Same thing with the guy, right? Not only did he heal him, he gave him a new identity. And when he healed him and gave him a new identity, the man walked away a different person which then went and changed other people. The woman at the well, right? Come, listen to the man who told everything about my life. And all of Samaria starts like, what? And then she brings all those people to Jesus and said, listen to this dude, right? It's unlimited resources. It, it's a word. It's a healing. It's more than just money. Money's good, right? But we can't stop at those kinds of things. People are more bound. Some people are bound by money. So if they're bound by money, you don't give them more money to keep them in more bondage. 
right? You got to give into. That's why you got to. He gave you a discerning, wise heart to hear from him, to release what they need in that situation. Just because in the natural realm it looks like this is what they need, may not be what they need. Does that make sense? That's why in, in that situation with Solomon, what it looked like they needed in that situation wasn't what they actually needed. And he gave them both what they needed in that situation. Okay? So we rule with the heart of a servant and we serve with the heart of a king. Let me say it again. We rule with the heart of a servant and we serve with the heart of a king. Think about Jesus. And again, this, this past Friday, they did a good job in that play showing Jesus washing the disciples' feet. you got to think about that. The king of the universe. Who says, who should say, come bow down to me. Wash my feet. Right? Who has every right to say that. Yet, with the heart of a servant says... I must wash all your feet to the point that Peter was like, well, then wash all of me then. Right? And he said, no, your feet's good enough, pal. Wash their feet. And then makes the statement, go and do likewise. Meaning what? I'm putting you in a position as kings. But you got to serve with the heart of a servant. See, a lot of people around these parts, not going to talk about the rest of the world because it's crazy. Just want to talk about where you have influence at right here. There's going to be some people that don't understand you. There's going to be some people who don't know why you do what you do. There's going to be times that you're going to be try to be extra nice and kind. That you're going to try to show them Jesus and they're not going to receive it whatsoever. You see, we tell those stories about the fair, I mean, the, the, the woman caught in adultery and that freedom. But what about as Jesus is doing that, there's a whole other group of people that is ridiculing every step he is making. And when that kind of pressure is on you, out in the, because they didn't do it behind the scenes, Jesus did a lot of things behind the scenes. To, to raise people from the dead, to heal people, to speak a word of kindness, to release the captives, to set the captives free. But out in public, they ridiculed and mocked him and still served the heart of a servant, the heart of a king. It says, I have all unlimited resources of my papa, and I'm going to seek those who will receive it. Even when the world ridicules me. Even one of my closest ones backstabs me and turns me in. <laughs> right? The heart of a king and a heart of a servant. Think about this, Philippians 2. Turn with me, just a couple of verses. Philippians chapter 2. This is um, Paul. Remember, he's in jail in Philippi. We're not talking about three hots and a cut. We're talking about nasty jail. And from jail, he says this. In chapter 2, verse 5. 
Philippians 2, verse 5. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Let his what? Mindset. He has given you his wisdom. His wisdom. So those examples that we just looked at in his scripture that he did, he give you that same mindset. It's do you want to take the time to access it or not? Do you want to take the time to hear it or not? Or you just want to do what you think you need to do in that situation? But he's given it to you. Consider the example that Jesus and Norman set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God. Remember, he is God in flesh. He is perfect theology. You want to know what the Father's like? You look at Jesus. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Meaning, he wasn't walking around saying, everybody bow down to me. I know more than you, so listen to me. You realize how many times in Scripture that he actually sit down and listened to other people even though he knew what they needed to hear? Even though he could have said, let me just call down these angels right now so you'll believe because you just ain't getting it, pal. He was very patient. He was very loving. Even whenever they thought they knew what they needed, he still was patient with them. That's the mindset that he had. And instead, verse 7, emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became a vulnerable, becoming vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So much so that he had this mindset that he knew that if I do this, it will set those people free. Like he, he had every right to argue with everything that they were saying, everything that they were doing, everything. He could have just stood up and said, dude, I did this for you. I did this for you. I'm going to do this for you. You don't even know what's coming in the next 2,000 years, but I'm already there. Right? He could say all those things. And yet he submitted to our cruelty. It wasn't, it wasn't um, sinners in the hands of an angry God. It was God in the hands of angry sinners who took, who we took everything that we thought about God and crucified Him there to that place. And He submitted to that. Not arguing. <laughs> Remember? Standing before Pilate and what is truth, Pilate says. And Jesus just looks at him. Isn't that poetic? You're looking at it, pal. He doesn't argue with him, though. Simply submits. Simply submits is what love does. In the heart of a servant, he says, I've given you that same mindset. You have that mindset of Christ Jesus. Use it. Like I've given it to you for a reason. So that it could be released here on this earth. If my people don't release it, it won't be released. You can't be expecting the unbelievers to release it. And a lot of church people, you can't expect them to release it because they don't even know it. They don't even know who they are. So you have to release it. And then he says, I give you the heart of a king. Turn to Ephesians 1, 3. It's back. A few pages back. Ephesians 1, 3. So royalty in God's kingdom has access to realms of God that we don't even know exist. 
We have realm. Did you hear me say? We have access to realms of God that we don't even know exist. You have access. Let me say it one more time. To realms of God that you don't even know exist. A lot of times, the only time we pray is whenever something bad happens and we say, oh, you got to come help me out right now. And Jesus modeled what it was like to have the, the heart of a king was to go into intimate presence with Papa. And then from that intimate place, he would walk away from that intimate place and then release that favor here on this earth through authority that he had. Right? So Ephesians 1.3, this is what Paul says that you have. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has, and listen to these words, already been. What does already been mean? It's done. It's past tense. It is not a future tense. It is not a right now tense. It has already been established. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been, and then look at this big word, lavished. Has already been, I mean, heaped up on you. Like, just scooping up the biggest, and just on top of it. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That means unlimited. That means that's an unlimited resource, guys. I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm trying to say. This is unlimited resources. We're walking around all the time with our heads down low, mumbling, complaining that we don't have this, we don't have this. That you have everything you need. Now, whether you're going into the heavenly realm and getting it, that's a whole different story. Just because you have access to it, just because I have access to the bank to go cash in my money that's in my account, if I don't go and make a transaction, it doesn't come out of the bank. I got it. And my kids are starving. And I wish somebody would bring me some food. That's what we act like. And you, like, you idiot, you got money in the bank, just go to the store and buy them some food. Spiritually speaking, we have that unlimited, because my bank account not unlimited. <laughs> now, I wish it was, but it's not. It got a limit on it. It got a cap on it, right? But you have been given all access if you're following along in our Bible reading every day, that's what your verse is this morning that you in the Hebrew says you have all access. All access. you got the all access pass, baby. Meaning you have way in. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, well, he's in you. Now to go with you in the presence of God where there are unlimited resources of the kingdom of God. And in that place, you have already, it's been lavished upon you. But if you don't make the transaction and actually take and withdraw from that place, in that place of presence, then you're not going to have it. Just yesterday morning, I had some change that was, on, that was from the night before. And we were staying in a hotel. And we were in Branson. And I put my stuff on the, on the table. I had some cash and I had some change. I had my pocket knife. Had my chapstick. I had it all right there, right? So the next morning, all I got to do is put it back in my pocket again. I'm ready to go, right? Well, yesterday morning when I woke up, I decided I'm just going to be comfortable on this ride back home. 
So I'm just going to put on jogging pants. Why they won't change falling out of my pocket? So I just left the change up there, put everything else in my pocket, ready to go. Eli's standing there beside me. I said, Eli, if you want that change, I don't know how much it is, but if you want that change, you can have it. Oh, okay. Put it in his pocket. And immediately, Papa, Father God, spoke to me. I'm talking about it was as he was putting it in his pocket, Papa spoke to me. And he said, that's exactly the way my resources are. He says, but the only reason Eli got it and the other three didn't was because he was in close proximity to you right now. See, the other three were in the other room getting ready. Wasn't doing anything bad. They wasn't being punished. They wasn't saying, well, Eli gets it and y'all don't get anything. Nana, nana, nana. But Papa used that example for me to see. That's how my resources are. They're right here on my table all the time. And for my kids that will come in close proximity to me and be in my presence, you can take it away any time you want to. See, I, most of the time we in the other room. Busy. Not necessarily doing anything bad. Not doing anything wrong. Not living a lifestyle of worldliness. We're just too busy to get into the realm with Papa. Where all access is. And withdraw for the kingdom of God. You see, what he was able to do with that was take it with something else that he already had and say, what can I buy with this now? It wasn't like a couple of pennies. It was a big old water chain. may sound small, but Papa used it for an example for me to say, take what I give you with what I've already given you, and it's unlimited. Close your eyes. God, you're so good to us. I pray, God, that in this room this morning, God, that we would get an awakening in our hearts and in our minds, that the eyes of our heart be illuminated. One, we see who you really are. We see who we really are. We see the unlimited resource, but we also see the all-access pass that you have given us to intimacy with you. That we don't misuse intimacy because we hope we get the change off the table. We don't want to misuse intimacy, Father, to say, well, what can I get if I come in the room? But just simply because we want to be with you. Simply because we want to be in your presence. And from that place, Father, release your favor. Release your wisdom. Release your authority. That we may be good stewards of what you've given us. Stewards of your kingdom. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ.